Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Diet Time is here. That's right, we're talking Family Matters, an episode of Family Matters for some reason, on Kill by Kill. Well, greetings and salutations, Internet. Your old pal Patrick Hamilton coming to you once again from the windy city of Chicago. This is the Kill Like a Podcast, where we are dedicated to celebrating the least discussed component of any horror film, the characters. Now, this week we're continuing on in our off week of TV terrors by discussing an episode in season eight of Family Members. Uh, family Members? Family, family Matters. You know, when it got good. Uh, but uh, there's only usually one person that I trust uh, to that I will help me make sure that I don't create an evil version of myself in ventriloquist dummy form, and that is Gina Radcliffe, but she is unable to join us today. But don't be scared. We're not alone. That's right. We have a special guest. You may know him as an actor, a performer, a seagull impersonator, and of course, the director of such films as Scare Me and Werewolves Within. His latest movie role is in A Wounded Fawn, which is out now on Shudder. He's the one, the only Josh Rubin. How are you doing today, Josh? I'm very well, man. How are you? It's a pleasure to be here. It's, I'm so excited to have you here. I know that you are a huge horror fan. You obviously are a very accomplished horror movie director. I personally really love Scare Me, and I especially loved Werewolves Within, which I showed in my yard on, on my outdoor big screen. I was so excited for it, and it I, I just was utterly delighted with the end result. Oh, thank you so much. That was that was so fun to do. I was so lucky. Yes, uh, it's such a great cast, and it's so funny, and I th- uh, it just really came together. So when I had the opportunity to reach out to you uh, on your little indie uh, press tour of a wounded fawn to talk about something, but I knew I had a limited amount of time to do it. <sighs> I'm like, how do I get this guy who really knows genre? We have this limited time together. How can we use it best? There's only one thing we can do, and that's watch a, a middle episode of the eighth season of Family Matters together. Oh, my God. And I forced you to watch Stevel. Um, so <laughs> my my question to you up front is, had you ever watched a single episode of Family Matters before? Oh, my God. I was obsessed with Family Matters. Um, I still don't know how they did certain things in this episode. I mean, her head is a jack-in-the-box, uh, mm. let alone um, the wide of little Stevel standing there, uh, right. just like Chucky style. Yeah. Um, they're seriously using some, uh, I don't know. I mean, this is like when you watch Simpsons, you know, Treehouse of horror, it's like, they're, they're going to pull out the stops. They're going to do things you haven't seen before, but it was pretty, pretty unsettling episode. I mean, it's just like anytime you see a, a, a tiny, anything talking, and then also to see Urkel, you know, physically attack the thing was right. pretty, uh, pretty cathartic. It's right. <laughs> cathartic. I think might be the apt word for it. Okay. Um, now, for those in our audience who might not be as familiar with Family Matters, it premiered in 1989 as a spinoff of Perfect Strangers uh, on ABC's vaunted TGIF lineup on Friday nights. It ran for about eight seasons, and then for its last year, it moved to CBS. 
Uh, it originally focused on the large Winslow household uh, that had three generations living under one roof in Chicago. And then halfway through the first season, an annoying next door neighbor character named Steve Urkel was introduced and nothing was ever the same again. The side character essentially became the default lead of the show, causing Did I Do That Mania to take hold across the nation. And a couple years ago in my household, when my son started watching clips of Family Manners on YouTube, tube and then would just walk into the room unbeknownst to all of us and say did i do that and then <laughs> i i think we all did you know <laughs> the fun fact i i got to work with um oh god i hate that i don't know this act the actor's name off the top of my dome help me out um <laughs> but the, the actor who plays steve urkel he came into college humor oh, yeah. uh when i was working there for many a year and did a sketch and I got to do, um, he had to, for some reason, I had to put my hand in his mouth. And I remember being, it was like part of the sketch. Don't ask me. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know how, uh, how or why it happened. Um, but I feel, I feel bad for him. And I was just like, what a, what a cool opportunity to work with a legend who I grew up just in, in my formative years. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, we had many interesting sighting at, uh, at the IAC offices down there by, by Chelsea Pierce. Nice. Uh, yeah. Jaleel White uh, has an interesting, you know, after effect after this. I, I don't think anyone really, um, I think everyone sort of like wonders what it would be like to be sort of trapped in that role over yeah. a decade. I, I can't like, it's the opportunity of the lifetime because you're, you're making money, you're working as an actor, but also you're right. only allowed to do one thing unless you're the evil version of yourself. And then you're another character. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I wonder if that was just part of the uh, writer's room conversations. Like I have to do, I mean, he got to do it in a few different ways, but I mean, it's been a long time since I've seen the show. Yes. Um, but he got to do that a few different times. Like play cool, Steve, like weird yes. science, Steve. And Raquel, I believe. Right, right, right. Something French. You got it. Yeah, you got to be professor. Right, right. Uh, so this particular episode of the show begins with a preamble uh, in the mode of Universal's early monster movies, or maybe if you're a little bit older uh, or younger than that, Marge Simpson from early Treehouse of Horror episodes, with Steve warning viewers in a direct-to-camera address that this Halloween show is, quote, a little scary. Yeah. And then he begs two tween kids to turn on the lights. Yeah. And this is before you see the kind of jagged font uh, there's just like, there's just something of, um, by the way, the episode you sent me, there's a whole making of, which was just so incredible to watch. This is a filmmaker, um, and a, a family matters fan, like the holes in the back of the couch and everything yeah. else. Um, it actually was pretty, pretty chilling, but it, it, it like, cause it was such a warm and welcoming, welcoming show. And they would do this with other kind of shows i remember even watching like singled out or martin as a kid and they'd have like mm-hmm. an episode where like one character would be possessed and i was so young watching those shows and be like holy shit it actually you know this is you're, you're used to seeing these characters uh um in a certain you know a certain light all buoyant making you laugh welcoming you into your uh, uh you're welcome welcoming them into your to your living room and then um before you know it you're freaked out by some some image you never thought would ever be in the likes of any of these comedy shows you'd catch on Fox or otherwise. Right. Yeah. 
Um, I, I'm going to get back to that in just one second because I have a, a very important question to ask you. But we, of course, must smash cut from this cold open uh, to the regular entrance of Steve Urkel to rapturous applause <laughs> from an audience who I do mm-hmm. not believe was there for uh, the vast majority of this episode. It's just too technically complex uh, <laughs> to actually have a studio audience inside for it. So I think there's mm-hmm. a lot of laugh track being used here. But he <laughs> walks into a living room that is filled uh, with this family who have been signed mm-hmm. for his character for now. And dope uh, Halloween decorations, of course. Yes, this is an ABC sitcom. Uh, they do <laughs> Halloween up. It seems to be an edict that goes across network wide over mm-hmm. multiple decades. Mm-hmm. Halloween is to be celebrated without budget constraints. Everyone just has to mm-hmm. go to the nth degree for Halloween. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. And I guess Christmas too, but Halloween, Halloween across all these shows, you got to see them really blow it out. Boy, was it an event. And so they all get to witness Steve's new passion in life, and that is ventriloquism. Um, and they, <laughs> I would, I would call out all these characters and their very specific internal, you know, motivators and what their comedic games are. But for the majority of the show, and at least this particular episode, they have one simple job to do and that is to give the same reaction to steve and his ventriloquist doll and that is scorn outward scorn Mm -hmm. doing this and so my question to you josh is how afraid of ventriloquist dummies are you and if you are not afraid of them why are you lying to me right now Oh, you know, I grew up in the era of, uh, of I think it was Slappy, the, yeah, right. the dummy, sure, in yeah. R.L. Stein's Goosebumps series. So mm-hmm. um, I think that, even more than Chucky, which I saw probably even earlier, unfortunately, really got me. Uh, I'd say on a scale of one to freaked, I'm like a seven and a half. I'm pretty sure. freaked out by, I mean, the concept of one standing in the middle of the room talking, I mean, even dead silence, you know, James Wan's kind of earlier, uh, right, yeah, janky yeah. kind of, you know, ventriloquist killer dummy film really, really got me. There is something I, th- I think now, now that we're just, now that we're talking, I think it's, uh, I think, I think ventriloquist dummies get me more than I care to admit, maybe more than any quote unquote movie monster. Yeah, I, there's something unholy about them. Uh, the <laughs> fact that you're you're throwing, you know, one person's persona into a, a hollow object, whether it be Devil Doll or Magic, uh, a movie from 1978. Oh my the, god! The yes, commercial is scarier than anything in the actual movie. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've ever seen the commercial for Magic. I can't remember it, but I, I'm definitely going to look it up now. It's a frightening concept, frightening imagery. My uh, old pal Rodney Asher of Room 237 and the Nightmare fame uh, wow. on Shudder, speaking of the devil, yes, yes. Uh, has a little uh, uh, featurette on the commercial behind that, that showed for magic and how it, it drove people batty. And I don't know why Rodney is so tied in to these little things that drive people nuts. But once again, he, he found he, he found his mark. On that magic commercial, it is truly uh, nightmare-inducing. I well, now I have to see it because everything about magic as a film, uh, at least from you know the twenty-some odd minutes I could get through, was pretty unsettling. <laughs> but now I do have to go back and and push my way through. I went back and watched like the quote-unquote one scene that 
is, you know, super unsettling or the one that, you know, whatever proves that Hopkins is a masterful actor well, 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 many years before he played Lecter. Impressive, uh, impressive platform for him, but not a, not a really bearable flick, I have to say. But the imagery, yeah. though, I mean, the idea of, you know, is, is this thing real or not? I think ventriloquist dummies in tight close up is a real problem for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Little and one struck by lightning and made sense. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And we, we let's, let's put a pin in lightning cause we're going to get back to it. Oh, so yeah. if, now this is a more personal question, Josh. Mm-hmm. So I need you to, to reach deep into your soul okay. sort of inside the actor's studio sort of question here. Now, if an evil puppet version of you was created by God lightning, uh, what would it wear as it magically murdered your adoptive family? Probably Costco sweatpants um, <laughs> sure. and a uh, slam dance t-shirt. So it would just yeah. look like um, a schlub about Echo Park. Uh, <laughs> okay, yeah, just like I know that total, intimately, sure. Yes. Yeah, yeah, millennial with a mustache. That was it. I know mean, we're not getting <laughs> on the face yet, but it would just, it would look like a total, a total mess. Yes. Speaking of mustaches, um, Eddie Winslow, uh, now nearly a decade into the show, has morphed from a, a teenager, a uh, dreamboat, into what <laughs> looks like he's ready to play Roger Murtaugh in a North Hollywood black box stage version of Lethal Weapon. Wow. Wow. Okay. I haven't seen a picture yet, but uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm in. Uh, he's he's got quite a look going on here. His mustache game is strong, but he wow. also looks like he's too old for this shit. I buy that. I buy that. Okay, that's fair. He's had you know he's had quite a life more he more has. one than I have. Truly, and now that Urkel's like literally living in his room, which I don't know when this happened, but it has apparently happened at this point in the show. What has also happened is that Steve Urkel has had braces on for at least eight years. That seems a long time to have braces on. You know, it's unhealthy, frankly. (laughs) You you need to get to parts of your teeth to to clean them. It it seems, uh, at this point, they're about as straight as they're ever going to get. Yeah, yeah, it's true. There's not much more you can do. Your smile's your smile. Like, let's just work with what God intended. You know what I mean? (laughs) Truly. Well, that's not how Steve Urkel rolls. He likes to play in God's domain, and that's what we're going to see going forward. Because not only does he have the temerity to sleep on top of his bed with his clothes on, which is just, I don't know. if you It's not like he's come home from work. I don't know what he does for a living. Right, he didn't have three Amstel lights in him. Not that that would knock me out, but uh, also don't judge me. You know what I mean? No, but I would love to see Steve Urkel with three Amstel lights in him. I think that would be a whole new level to the show. I smell a speck. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. Reboot. Here we come. Uh, Hold on to your your hats. Warner Brothers Discovery Plus (laughs) Um, is it is weird that Steve has a framed photo of Laura, the girl he's been obsessed with over the course of this show next to his bed but he also lives in the same house as her uh yeah i mean you know i I think come on we've all done weirder you know we we were all weird when we were teenagers i mean i haven't done that weird but um you know i don't know i i i didn't live with jennifer love hewitt but i definitely had a collage i mean Well, that's that's understandable, I guess. Well, let's be bygones, be bygones. Sure. But, 
uh, perhaps the most nightmarish component of this entire episode was the amount of times that actors crossed in front of one another. I just, that's not something I'm used to seeing on, on a stage or in a sitcom is <laughs> actors walking in front of people as they are talking. That's just, it seems like someone was asleep at the wheel. I just think maybe someone just really loved Tom Stoppard plays. You know what I mean? I think there was just a real, I have sure. to prove that I've seen Beckett, you know, mm-hmm. uh, they're breaking. Someone just, yeah. Someone just really wanted their Mike Nichols moment. Um, it's like, you know what? I, I'm you know how to really vary this up to show intensity. Have them cross. This is, I think, the first and only time Tom Stoppard and Mike Nichols have been associated with family members. Yeah. Why do I keep calling it family members? That's, not, that's not a real sitcom. It's a Halloween episode, Possession. <laughs> um, so at one point, Steve, upon discovery that his, his ventriloquist doll is alive, looks straight down the pipe at the camera, which makes me question... Because that's not the sec- That's the second time this happens. Is Steve aware that he's on a sitcom? Like, does he know that you and I are watching this right now? I mean, like, you know, look, we're talking about a show where a puppet comes to life. <laughs> right. Anything's anything's possible. You know what I mean? And I, I'm just going to go with yes because it's more fun. Well, uh, speaking of coming to life, this isn't the first time on Kill by Kill that we've broached the subject of God lightning. That is a a (laughs) bolt of lightning that causes uh, something to come to life again. We, of course, famously talked about it when we discussed Friday the 13th, part six, Jason lives all those many years ago. So I have to ask, what kind of deity would grant life via wish electricity to a puppet? Like Jason, I get he's needed on earth, but this, I don't know. I think it's just God being bored. You know, it's like that Robin <laughs> Williams uh, joke about the platypus. It's like, fuck it. Put a, sure. put a duck bill on it and a, <laughs> and a, and a beaver's ass. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Make this puppet come alive. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Ruin try, this family it. in Chicago's life for a night. They, they've had it too good for too long. Yeah, I because I think you know God's just been through it. And eventually, you're just going to want to see a uh, a wooden dummy drive a car after a you know kids <laughs> dressed up as Rodman and Jordan. This is true. Now, one of my favorite parts is watching any uh, puppet drive a car. It's it's always a, a conundrum to me. Um, what uh, we get to see the the two tweens that are in this program that have grown up over the course of the show are dressed up as Rodman and Jordan for Halloween, what was your favorite Halloween costume growing up? Any vampire. If you could, mm. if I could put uh, Dracula te- vampire teeth in my mouth, those cheapy weepy ones. Mm. Um, and uh, the plastic Cape from whatever they, they always had them on the, uh, on the rack at Rite Aid. That was where people, I think was the name of our drugstore in Potomac, Maryland. Mm-hmm. Then I was happy. I think one year I was uh, an astronaut, but, I really like the look of the um, the dome style uh, sure. mask or cap mm. helmet, um, but I think I eventually had vampire teeth. Anytime I could pop in some fangs, I was happy. I think that's why I, I made Aya Cash wear them for the shortest cutaway ever in my first movie. I was like, <laughs> I want this. Um, I think for me, it's a, a toss up between the two things that my mom cursed me for wanting to be. One was a werewolf because that meant mm. adding a lot of hair. That's that's a lot of fucking work. And the second was uh, I was the Hulk. 
So that involved painting me green. Um, and I was the skinniest, shortest Hulk <laughs> on the face of the planet. Uh, I want to see. I mean, that's essentially just as a Bruce Banner never grew. I love it. <laughs> that's right. It's just it's just a skin color change and yeah. some ripped clothing. And that's that's freaky enough. But you know, yeah, could you still right. be the shit out of people? We don't know. But yeah, I yeah. think just the skin change enough might be enough to kind of make you back up and go. I think he's sick. It's more or just fighting away from bullies in Glendale, California. Yeah, so, there you go. Uh, at a certain point. Um, <laughs> Uh, everyone, everyone has to stop accusing Urkel, uh, whether it's Carl or Carl's mom or Carl's wife or anyone else. They all have to stop just accusing Urkel of being mentally unwell and actually look into getting him help, especially now that he lives under their roof, which begs the question, does he pay rent? Uh, wow. Great. Question. I mean, did he have a job? Uh, like he wasn't like a scientist or anything. He just like come in and dance and makes it. That's just like asking if Kramer paid rent. Like what did Kramer do? Yeah, was he, he independently wealthy? Question. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know. Um, yeah. but, uh, yeah, I'd like to think he was freeloading because he just got to, uh, you know, he was entertaining to have around. Yes. <laughs> well, entertaining to the audience. The, the, the Winslow's really seem to be suffering. They couldn't, they couldn't deal. Keep him in the they, attic. They, the psychic weight of having this gentleman in their house 24-7 <laughs> really seems to be taking a toll once you've reached season eight. Um, but steve is on the loose, and he's decided that if Urkel will not go out on the road with him, he will simply get rid of any uh, uh, roadblocks in his way. So uh, Urkel manages to trap steve uh, which we learned his name is in a trunk with a note that reads evil puppet inside details later. Uh, he sure did. But uh, little, little did, uh, did regular Urkel know that it was made of oak tag uh, <laughs> and balsam wood because yes. he very quickly punched out of it. And what a beautiful highlight, by the way, they made him look like Morticia oh. Adams, but yes. a little more um, cartoony, but kind of freaky though. Legit. I do wonder if that was external or internal. Did they put lights inside the eyeballs? Yeah. Or was that a, a key light or a very specific pin light into Great the eyeballs. Question. Either way, uh, kudos to the yeah. crew of Family Matters. My guess is it was uh, it was applied in post. My guess <laughs> is that they 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 were clearly just like using the dummy. Although it was interesting to see, there's so many different iterations of it. There's a little kid in a mask. Yeah. There's the actual ventriloquist dummy, and there's one I think that like he could just you know pick up and toss in a fridge or whatever. Right, yeah. the the loose Stevel. Um, yeah, but his punching out of that uh, you know container made me wonder because this is uh, of course prelude to Eddie being pulled up a chimney by Stevel. Yeah. What is the proportional strength of Stevel? Because Eddie is built. I'd say at a scale of uh, John Cena to Hulk with no bulk, um, yeah. <laughs> right? Probably Batista. You know, I bet the sure. Batista was stuck upside down in your chimney. He could he could pull a grown man towards yeah. him at least. A real unless he has a series of Batman like pulleys to to lasso him and carry him up the the chimney. I don't. He's he's very capable. This particular uh, evil ventriloquist dummy. It'd be way better on your back, but yeah, he really is. I mean, my God, he's just uh, uh, intimidatingly strong. It's it's sort of terrifying. 
True, truly. When uh, when Steve asked uh, Steve, uh, what have you been doing? He says, I've been a very busy dummy, which, of course, longtime listeners will know was my away message on AOL Messenger. Uh, and we, we learn over the course of this sequence in which the, the fate of the rest of the Winslow clan is revealed to us. The Steeple appears to have a, uh, a touch of Freddy Krueger syndrome and that he's far <laughs> too into his own jokes. Uh, yeah, but as you should be, I mean, look at him, you know, <laughs> like what's, what's not to think funny. By the way, I think that there's like a haunted house in the background in the uh the winslow's living room that is very freddy krueger that is very like whatever it is one two three elm street god i should mm-hmm. feel like i should know that uh <laughs> that address um uh one two three four freddy's coming for your uh, uh elm street um mm-hmm. yeah i'm sure there's a lot of like easter eggs in here from the uh whatever the the, the burbank production crew it was just like you know it'd be fun i'm just you know what i'm gonna sneak in a hellraiser reference like i bet if you look closely enough oh. you'll just see shredded frank (laughs) oh that's all they need um at one point uh uh, steve says turn the crank and find out which after three years of watching saw movies just a little safety tip never turn the crank never turn the crank you never know if you're um you know your your girl's gonna come out uh bouncing up and down like a little like a little clown clown box Yes. So Stevel has uh, put Laura into three separate kitchen cabinets. He's put the mom into a, a giant jack in the box. Uh, the kids, he's somehow frozen them in time as Jordan uh, and and Rodman in, in the bedroom. People are going down. The grandma, she seems to be safe for now. So thank goodness, because that would be elder abuse. But the most disturbing part here is when Stevel starts controlling Carl on the couch. Um, Carl seems to be on top of Stevel. <laughs> Carl's now become the ventriloquist dummy himself, which asks the question, where is Stevel's hand? Like, is this mental or physical or is it spiritual? Oh, I think it, it was full on predator. I mean, you know, before <laughs> pulling out the head and spine, it just, in sure. another, in another version of the show, you know, in the uncut, he, he just, he just pulled out Carl's head and spine. I mean, he was really up there. We're not just talking about like, I'm not up the butt or not, I'm not through the back of the head. It's like full sure. on a hand spine. went through and yeah, exactly. Spine and head. And then, yeah. it, you know, another episode, he pulled it out. I like it. I like this idea. So um, this is leads us into a very unconvincing fist fight between uh, <laughs> Steve and Steve And we've covered a bunch of weird fights on, on kill by kill over the years. Of course, uh, the, the primary one being Alice and Mrs. Voorhees from the third act of the original Friday the 13th, mm-hmm. or you go to Tony Roberts versus a stuffed fish in Amityville 3d take your pick. But, this one might take the clown, the, the might take the clown or the clown <laughs> might take both. Yeah, I mean, I, all I could think about was he so obviously just tripped a child and then uh, tore <laughs> off a dummy's head. It was just like, I mean, come on, you're not fooling anyone. He just yeah, he tripped a kid. I was just thinking, my God, did that did, did that kid actually hit his head? Did they care? Was it a kid or a little person? I don't know. Um, from the, but, from uh, the behind the scenes, it really does seem to be a little person, but also the youngest little person I've seen working. Yeah, so, true. Uh, it, it very baby-faced. 
So it, it, I did, I did gasp out loud <laughs> during the trip scene. Yeah. Sweeps like, the leg. Yeah, truly, truly. That's all I could think about. In fact, I'm still thinking about it. I had to watch it again and again and again, not giggle, <laughs> but at least examine it. Wonder if I should write a letter. Sure. Um, and then, um, yeah, I thought, uh, I thought it was terrifying. Dear Lorimar television, a place that no <laughs> longer exists. <laughs> um, <laughs> it is it is revealed over the course of this fight uh when Urkel wakes up that this has all been a dream and he he gets up and, uh and Eddie is there and he's like hey, the the dummy came alive he was killing you all and over uh, Urkel's shoulder on a shelf appears to be a bong and how <laughs> I want to get high with Steve Urkel. That's got to be interesting. Yeah, but also it's like, can you imagine how much talk? Like, I'm like a quiet uh, stoner. Sure, I'm not even a stoner, but when I when I get high, I don't love to chat. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would probably start getting freaked out by how chatty he'd inevitably get. That's just <laughs> all I can think about. But you know, when I think of that question, it's like, my God, you know, it's a lot of mixed patterns to be looking at for a really long period of time. Yeah. And then there's sort of the VPL of his pants situation, which has to be uncomfortable after a while. That just the, <laughs> His inside seam really has to chafe over the years because it's really rubbing up in there. More than that, I just think like, you know, how low is that sweater going? You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just like, what, what, what are you just, I, I don't, uh, I don't know. I don't know what to say. It's, it's tough. The but we are fooled. This is a dream within a dream. And Eddie is going to uh, apparently put a blender through Steve's eyes, which... I would love to see somebody put a hand mixer through somebody's face in a movie. So if you're doing a horror movie coming up, I think you should lift that idea and not credit family matters at all. I think so too. I think so too. Or like, man, it just makes me wish that uh, family matters at least attempted to use the bread slicer kill in the fear street movie. But um, you know, it might've been a bit much for the censors. <laughs> Um, and not only is it a dream within a dream, it's a dream within a dream within a dream because he wakes up from that as well. Calls out that it was a false ending, which yeah. I think is just a writer's room giving up and just they want to go to a bar. That's what it feels like <laughs> to me. I, when, why wouldn't you? You're right, true. Um, and this is where Steve begins. I guess Eddie reminds him of the other scary dreams he's had at other holidays, including a Thanksgiving one where uh, Steve was quote unquote stuffed by a Turkey. And that sounds a lot sexier than this episode. Uh, yeah, I don't disagree with that whatsoever. I don't disagree with that at all. Who wouldn't want to be and who yes. doesn't think about it. In the I free time. But Steve is obviously thinking about it because he quote says next Thanksgiving, I'm wearing steel pants. So <laughs> He's been thinking about this a lot, and now now we all get to think about it. Um, and of course, uh, uh, that brings uh, this episode of Family Matters to a close. But before we go uh, and stop talking about it, we have to choose our own death venture. And that's where we decide of the deaths portrayed in this episode. If you were forced to die that way, which one would you choose and why? Up for bid uh, this time, we have Trapped in a Chimney. 
trapped in a wall-sized poster of either Jordan or Rodman, or both, cut into three pieces and trapped inside kitchen cabinets, turned into a jack-in-the-box with just your head living. <laughs> Used as a human ventriloquist dummy, uh, as Josh has noted, possibly having your spine violated so that you can talk, and of course, a hand mixer to the face. And Josh, you're our guest, so that means you get to go first. Wow. Uh, you know, I think I think I'll go with Rodman Jordan, just kind yeah. of stuck in in a perpetual kind of tete-a-tete. Um, sure. but also a great pose and looking yes. good for the rest yes. of my life. The their prime. I mean, they look yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Normally I go with a gorier option, but I think I think that one would just be, you know, just give me I get to live vicariously through my sportier uh my sportier dreams um, for just just a just a, a, a wink in time. Yes, um, I this is I, I'm not going to get trapped inside a chimney. That 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 has <laughs> nightmarish uh, possibilities, and yeah. I don't like the idea of my head being trapped inside of a box. So I think I'm just going to go for hand mixer to the face because once that goes through your eye sockets, it's pretty much over. Yeah, yeah, I'd say that's pretty Lee Winnell. Yeah, that's pretty James Wan uh, of a way to go. Uh, although I guess you'd have to play quite a game to get to that point. But um, <laughs> I, I, I think it would take a minute. You know, you'd probably get that inevitable like uh, grinding stop because it would hit some stuff. Sure. You know, once yeah. it once it permeates your eye sockets, it's like you know maybe then it start up again. Um, just depends on how powerful the battery is. But the last um, thing you get to see is Eddie is dreamiest. I mean, those shoulders are that's very true. Broad. That's yeah. true. It's it's a very Dahmer kind of way to go. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> handsome, but it's like, do we want this? You know what I mean? Well, speaking of serial killers, because um, we often are, <laughs> uh, let us talk uh, ever so briefly, and but extensively as possible, about your new film, in which this time you're a performer in, called The yeah. World of Fawn. It's out right now on Shutter, as so many great things are. Uh, what drew you to the project? And, and, and tell our audience a little bit about it and what their appetites. Sure. Uh, well, the shortest pitch is it's essentially a... Uh, uh, the tale of Patrick Bateman uh, taking a girl to the evil dead cabin and then being terrorized by um, the Greek goddesses of vengeance for <laughs> his evil, evil deeds. Um, and that's essentially why when Travis Stevens, the co-writer director sent me the script, I just had to do it. It was such a dream role. I got to play terrorizer and terrorized. I got to intimidate and be chased um there's the the feminist horror film of it all and it was fun to play the punching bag in that context um just so fun to do and then all the giallo and Rami homage uh and uh you know greek mythology sure but art world homage as well um i i just i i, I think the words i used was i have to do this this is genius when do we start um and uh, i still quite can't believe that he thought of all people that I would be, I don't know if I was the first swing, but a swing to play this part, to lead a film. I don't know if I would necessarily be the first swing uh, to play a part of a serial killer um, or in many films or, or any kind of killer, any kind of person. Um, but I'm glad he did. <laughs> and then he like, and then t- that, that's not even including the 16 millimeter of it all. You look at this thing, it's like, shit, this is the film is as uh, an art piece in and of itself. Yes. I, I think the aesthetics are pretty undeniable in it. Yeah, um, yeah. And, you know, he he definitely has an eye for that sort of thing. But 
I think this is where the his methods meet the madness of the material, and it yeah. really comes together. And I think the most satisfying way from from his work. I, I think every obviously it's also a bit of an actor's piece, which is something you excelled in after Scare Me in particular, where it's not like we're talking about a cast of thousands here. If you don't yeah. like who you're watching, you're not going to continue on with it. And I, I think you got both of you uh, leap off the screen here as much as you didn't scare me. Yeah. Oh, thank you for saying that. Yeah. I, um, uh, I, I, I agree. I mean, you know, I, I, uh, I can't just speak to my own, my own performance. I'm pretty, pretty hard on myself, uh, but I, I've grown to enjoy it. Um, but yeah, I, I, uh, I don't, I don't envy the process for any filmmaker putting their chips on an actor they haven't worked with before. I've done it. You kind of just have to do your best to gut check and look at their work and maybe ask a few people, is this, is this person cool or not? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just, I'm thrilled he took the chance on me. Um, and yeah, that people, people are responding going like, Oh shit, this guy, this guy played a, a pretty, pretty creepy fucker. Like I didn't know he had it in him. He did a little bit scare me, but this is, this is okay. This is like an Anton Chigurh moment. This is, um, <laughs> this, this is unexpected. So if I can have my one hour photo, uh, Robin Williams moment, as it were, as someone who often is known to do comedy on, you know, episodes of dropout on TikTok or whatnot, um, uh, game changer, then yeah, so be it. I love that comedy fans will, stumble upon or see the horror shit and 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 uh ideally be blown away and go whoa you can't quite pin this guy down now what's he gonna do well i i think and we said this before but like comedy and horror are very compatible because you're trying yeah. to elicit um uh, a, a, a reaction in the moment a scare and a laugh yeah. are both the unexpected they just go in different directions they That's right. A lot in common, which is why I think they cross over well when you understand the tone of whatever piece you're working on. I agree. Yeah, I, t I totally agree. I was talking to earlier, so I mean, the past few days, just to impress with for for fun and talking about comedy and horror and and why us comics uh, kind of push that well. And there's something about how we're just boundary pushers, you know, from Jordan Peele even to Krasinski and and Zach Kreger most recently. Yeah. We're all boundary pushing personalities, um, depending on the, you know, despite the different scale of movies and projects we're putting out. Uh, there's just something about how we like to push and prod and poke and, and put a mirror to the social uh, uh, commentary of it all um, yes. where, yeah, where we can. We can just uh, we can just prod a little bit further, maybe maybe tune up the discomfort a little bit more, make a squirmy observation that really makes you go, "Oh shit, I know that guy," or "I know that moment." Yeah. Um, and uh, the skewering is is a cathartic thing to be able to do and translate in film. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to uh, <laughs> to talk with us about this incredibly silly episode of Family Matters. Hopefully, sometime in the future, we can have you on to talk about uh, an actual scary movie. Uh, yeah. Maybe, what, maybe something that uh, will shine a light on something a little undersane. I know you're a fan of Bad Moon. And I've oh, my God. Yes. Yes. Uh, 
Yes. I, I would love to talk about Bad Moon with somebody who Anytime. enjoys that. It's it's a little underseen, but I think well worth everyone's time. Criminally underseen and actually the the bad moon aspect ratio I gave to my uh I gave to my cinematographer and I want I said I want to for Werewolves Within match and homage the anamorphic aspect ratio and this sort of color saturation to Bad Moon. I wanted to look this beautiful. I think it is a beautiful looking movie. Of course, it's, it yes. has its hangups, but um, yeah, I, I I love finding a, a bad Mooney, a bad Mooney buddy. I'm <laughs> very happy to have found you, as us as us few fans are called in the industry. <laughs> as everyone refers to us as well thank you so much for your time and uh, uh everyone please go see uh or look up uh shutter uh a service that we talk about all the time here uh a wounded fawn and scare me as well is also on there uh, both great things for you to check out uh don't worry folks the body count will continue next week it's uh, a special occasion it's christmas in amityville we will be talking about the Amityville horror in our new tradition. It's our new Saw's Giving, where every year for Christmas, we will be talking about an Amityville horror movie. So uh, you've got that to look forward to. Don't worry, folks. The body count will continue for myself and for Josh. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Get shutter. Get shutter.